All right, everybody, welcome back to the Finding Success Show. Uh, I'm your host with co-hosts, mm-hmm. Justin Bozak, Tom Zadanowitz, Abe Cavella. How's the week, guys? Very good. Pretty good, hanging in there. Pretty Thanks good. for asking, bud. Yeah. So we have a special guest in the house today, Man, Matt Mantone, who is a uh, recovery specialist, I guess you would call it, right? An executive director. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, there is a job recovery uh, specialist, but it's... Um, it's I'm a licensed social worker and licensed certified alcohol and drug counselor. There you go. So, so you're gonna educate us a little bit on how the uh, sure, yeah, I could try. Yeah, how the company <laughs> works. It's <laughs> yeah. always interesting to, to bring different people in to kind of learn, you know, each and everybody's mm-hmm. trades. You know, I think we we find with each interview, there's just so much depth to, to different businesses that obviously you never think about. So, I think this gives everybody good perspective on kind of what goes into different industries and. Sure. They can get to learn maybe uh, if they want to, you know, go that route and, you know, get into that field, mm-hmm. and what it really takes. And uh, we also want to get to know you, you know, a little bit more personally and okay. kind of build the foundation of uh, Matt Mantone, who he is, <laughs> where he came from and uh, how he got here. <laughs> long, strange trip. long, strange trip. Long, strange trip. It's all good. We got some time. <laughs> so you want to start back, uh, sure. you know, maybe high school, post high school, where you want to go? Yeah. So. Um, I grew up in Bricktown. Uh, grew up right off of uh, Jordan Road. I went to um, elementary school on what is considered the memorial side of, of the town. Um, so I went to elementary school at Midstreams, went to Vets, um, but then I lived on, in a section on a road that actually went to Brick High School. So I, I was on uh, two different paths in, in, uh, in brick, but it was good because I got to, to meet everyone in the town. So that part of it was, was great. So I grew up playing sports with kids on one side of the town. And then I went on in high school and played sports with kids from the other side of town. So, well, let me cut you off right there. Yeah. So is there a conspiracy about how we got you over at old brick and as opposed to brick memorial? So oh, I don't think all so. on I, the up I, and up, you yeah, came I, over. I right. think that line was drawn before I even uh, was right. even thinking about No gerrymandering. Throw it around yeah, your house. No, it certainly was not for me. We're um, taking the good QB. I, I benefited from it, I, uh, you know, without a doubt. You know, no offense to the Memorial guys, but I was happy to go to Brick and, and for high school. But um, Chris Yone. Yeah, but, um, you know, it, it certainly wasn't for me. But I, it, it was a great opportunity to meet, really, in my age bracket, everyone in the town. So it was, you know, as I went on in life, I had friendships from – you know, kids that, you know, were from Memorial and then friendships with guys from, you know, Brick. So it was really uh, a unique, you know, experience. Very cool. Yeah. So what did you get into after high school? After high school. No, uh, let's talk about some sports here. I yeah. want to hear you about sports, sports first. Yeah, well, I yeah. think, it, you know, team sports leads to leadership and all sure. that. So I'd love to <laughs> yeah. hear it. Uh, yeah, I was always drawn to, uh, you know, obviously sports was a baseline of my life. Um, thank God. I mean, it was something that, Really, you know, when I did stray off that baseline and off that path, uh, which, uh, you know, I did on, often, uh, <laughs> sports did always kind of bring me back. And not only sports, but the leaders in sports. So coaches, um, people that were in sports that that were, you know, an important male figures in my life and, and kind of were able to kind of not only coach me through sports, but coach me through through life. You know, I've had um, you know, individual exposures to different people in my life at certain times that I think were, um, you know, really great interventions that, at certain points in my life that I that I absolutely needed. Football at break with Coach Wolf was something that um, was, you know, really paramount in my life. Um, 
Todd Durkin was uh, a person who was my individual quarterback coach who um, is just probably one of the greatest people I've ever met. Um, he only coached one year at Brick, and that was the year that, you know, my junior year and was my coach. You know, so, you know, you talk about just, you know, unique or, you know, divine interventions of a person being there at a certain point in your life. Um, well, if we can go into his background, too, and what he's doing now. Yeah, yeah. Todd Durkin is, um, you know, he started off on the, the physical health um, path where he, you know, was opening gyms and motivating people to change, you know, their physical health. But then that expanded into into motivation in life and business. Um, he is, you know, he holds conferences and then he has books, impact book, um, where he just really helps people. Um, become the best versions of themselves, whether in business, personal life, um, you know, as a Christian, whatever, whatever it may be, you know, he yeah. is just a person that, uh, one of the most positive people, you know, I think I've ever encountered, but he has an ability to be really rela- relatable to other people. Yeah. Um, he's easy to sit down and talk to. So, and those are the best leaders, the ones mm-hmm. that who can um, sit in a group and, and, be, you know, and be present with you and you you know and be on your same level um but also at the same time you're in awe of that person you know but they're they're humble enough to you know take the time to talk to you yeah so those are the best you know leaders and motivational speakers and he is certainly that and he was my personal quarterback coach for a year you know in in a time in my life that was you know rough you know it was not um a great time for me you know and and um, even though we were having some success in sports you know there were some things in my life that I was going through that wasn't great with some of my own struggles so you know again we talk about team sports and sports in my life it was always the baseline that that kept me pushing forward and um not and and i would attribute that to the the coaches and the people that i was exposed to the the big linemen that were there uh, to protect you, but uh, you, know, but <laughs> you build that little family, yeah, right? It, well, it was that it was that it was a family experience. It was it was uh, it was that that group of people that were not gonna you know let you stray off too far, you mm-hmm. know, because they cared about you, and plus they needed you to show up on Saturday right. <laughs> yeah. and throw the ball, you know. So I, I I certainly uh, you know people dragged me home at night and said you, you know. We need you Saturday. Get up and get up tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, so, and I felt that, you know that you know even if I didn't you know respect maybe myself enough at that time I respected them and and uh, you know to do that. Yeah, accountability. Yep, accountability know. to others. Um, you know, putting time into something. You know, delayed gratification was probably one of the greatest lessons in, in sports. You know, is is understanding you're doing something today for something you're not going to see for a long time. Mm. And, you know, we get into later on, you know, the field that I, I work in is, is all about instant gratification. So to, to learn at a, an age what delayed gratification is and to put your work and, and time into something that you're not going to see a result into later was one of the biggest lessons that I was able to kind of pull with me and drag with me into uh, other areas of my life, whether it was going back to school or, or the job I work now. So. So, uh, yeah, I mean, trusting the process. You know, we yep. talked about that last week. You know, we have people that, that do the right thing every single day. We talked about one gentleman that wasn't seeing the sales, and then all of a sudden they just they all came in because he trusted the process right. and he got the work done. So so, the, so it took you, went to college after that, which was yep. started at Fairfield? Yeah, started at Fairfield. And then, uh, you know, I, I, 
I didn't keep the grade point average that I was, uh, I was re required to in order to stay there and, and receive the money that they were giving me. Um, so I, I left there. Um, and at that time, so you took away the one thing that was kind of keeping me on my baseline, which was sports. So at that point, you know, you leave school at 20 years old and, you know, there's no other, there's no more sports. There's nothing else. So, um, you know, I, I left there and I started, I started working finding different jobs, doing different things, really was a period of, of uh, that was a really you know, a tough period for me. Um, Just trying to find I yourself. had a lot of fun. You know, there's no doubt about it. I had a lot of fun during that period. Um, but, you know, there was too much fun. Uh, and with that, you know, there's some other things started to manifest themselves, you know, and, uh, you know, I think uh, it would be remiss if I didn't, you know, mention my own struggles and with, you know, some mental health and depression and other things that I was going through at that time, uh, along with, with, you know, addiction problems and, and um, you know, having trouble with alcohol and other, you know, other things in my life that were um, really, you know, uh, creating quite a disturbance in my life, you know, and it got, you know, it got to a point where um, I had to, you know, came to a place where I, I had to make a, a decision, you know, in, in my life where, um, you know, either I'm going to go absolutely nowhere, be dead, um, and then just be the story of this, this, what could have been, you know, and then, uh, you know, and I didn't like that narrative, you know, and I, and I remember, I was, you know, I went into some treatment at that time, and I just, that narrative was, was just resonating in my mind, and I couldn't accept that narrative. So I, uh, I, I didn't like how I felt. I didn't, I didn't like, you know, being um, that vulnerable in a place, sitting in a treatment center and not knowing where I'm going in life. So I, at that point, said I need to, I need to figure not only a path in my life, I need to figure myself out. So really, my, my journey into this career um, began with an obsession of figuring out what was going on with me. So I was reading. I, I was obsessively reading about, you know, mental health. I was you know, reading about addiction. What is it? What, why is it? Is it brain disease compared to behavioral? You know, just doing all this stuff, trying to figure myself out. Um, and in that, it really... I. You know, I was reading like full books in like two days, and I I didn't read a full book in, in <laughs> two years. In two years <laughs> prior to well, that, it wasn't so, interesting, I guess. Right. right? So, so that's you know, you want to talk about you know finding success. It, it's 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 having a, a, an internal passion, and my internal passion was, you know, figuring out how do I how do I navigate this now? I don't have the sports anymore. Right. I don't have I don't have the mentorship of you yeah, know a coach system. or someone. Yeah. Uh, it's time now to figure it out myself. You know, I'm 24, I'm 25 years old. You know, I, I better figure this out. Well, it's and kind I, of amazing there within itself because I think how many people that you deal with day to day at that age right, kind of right. take that path to reflect or maybe read books and try to figure it out. Sure. I think most people just kind of go with it, right? It just yeah, becomes well, I life. Think, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's an over, you know, it could be an overwhelming challenge. And, and I did have support. I mean, uh, you know, my mother, my brother's friends that, you know, were – you know, people that I'd formed relationships prior to in sports that would come over and be like, what are you doing? You know, like, like you know, you're, you're better than this or, or you're smarter than this. You know what I mean? There's, you know, um, again, back to that narrative of like that wasted potential. Right. People, you know, just always being like, what are you doing? You, you could be this, you could be that. And I just got, you know, you know, I, and, and I maybe I finally realized that, all right, well, let's see. Let's see what I can be. 
So I needed to, to address mental health issues. I needed to, you know, um, you know, remove the stigma of getting help for myself and others around me of, of saying, you know, hey, uh, maybe I need to take a medication. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's something going on there that's out of my control, that's chemical. Let me let me take a medication and, and you know, being willing to do that, you know, and then addressing the, you know, the, the addiction and, you know, removing all of that from my life um, and, and, you know, saying, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to give this a real shot, you know, and, uh, and I did that. And I, you know, and I, I, because I was learning so much uh, about myself and really kind of educating myself to the field, <clears throat> uh, so I, you know, again, people come into your life at certain points. And I had, a, I had um, uh, this woman named Lynn Davis and she was a uh, director of an outpatient in Tom's River. And she said, you should do this. You know, I said, what do you mean do this? And she's like, you should do this. You should be a counselor. You, you should, you should, you know, this should be what you do. And I said, well, I nothing else going on right now. So <laughs> I said, all right, you know, so I, and she said, listen, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a job here. She goes, you can't hold the caseload because you don't have the education or the license. I couldn't actually be someone's therapist. Um, but I could work there and run groups and I could, um, you know, do the group therapy part of it because it's, you don't need a license to do that. And I, and I said, all right, well, what do I need to do? What, what college education do I need? And I went back and I got, you know, I started getting engaged in classes. Um, and then I had all these groups to run. So I started this job making nothing, you know, just absolutely nothing. And I had to make a choice there and say, all right, well, I'm going to, you know, I make absolutely nothing because I don't have the education. I don't have the licenses. I don't have those things in place yet. But you would talk about that end game. I have a, I have a vision yeah. of where it will end up. And that's the delayed gratification because it was tough. You know, I mean, I, mean, I didn't, you know, I had no money to do anything, you know what I mean? But I didn't care because I was, you know, I was being, I was in something and I said, you know what, this will, this will be, this can be my new baseline. So if sports were my baseline prior, and that was the thing that kind of held me, you know, and, and pushed me forward and, and was, was a path. If I do this as a profession, this will become my new baseline. This will become my new sports. This will be the thing that will hold me together. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, you know, if I, if, if I stay in this field, right? So I, I begin working at the outpatient, and I... Um, I'm running the groups. I'm running like 30 hours of groups a week. And, um, you know, you have 25, 30 people staring at you in a group and you're running this group. And some of them are educational. Some of them are process. And I'm like, I need to start, Come, I need to figure out how I'm going to run these groups. So again, I just became obsessed with, with learning more. So I started teaching myself things that I wouldn't learn until like five years later in college. But I started teaching myself like rational emotive therapy. You know what I mean? Things that are, you know, that are way along in like master's classes. But I started teaching myself that because I needed to fill this, these hours of group time. Um, and I needed to, to keep people engaged in my group. And I didn't want to look like a fool up there because I, at that point I then had this insecurity of not having the license and people taking me serious. So I, I had to, you know, really learn the material um, and be able to present it in a way that people felt, you know, that I really knew what I was talking about. Um, and then I did that. And then I eventually, you know, I, I filled the groups and people were coming to my groups and skipping other groups and started coming to mine. And I, and then I felt, um, I felt really effective. And that's the first time I really felt effective doing anything other than a sport. Mm. Um, and that, you know, that was a feeling that, that 
I remembered and said, all right, this is, this is how you really measure a success, you know, and, and you talk about finding success, you know, for me, um, it, it was always feeling effective, you know, really being effective in what I was doing, you know, and I felt effective for the first time. And that's when I was, I was hooked and I knew I was going to keep doing this. And, and I knew that the classes would be worth it. Um, and I would, you know, continue this path and, and get the education, get the master's. Um, and then, you know, wherever it took me, it took me. But I knew, uh, you know, this was the first thing I really felt effective doing. So. And when you say effective, you mean, I mean, really just attendance. These are people going through their personal yep. struggles, and they're coming there to listen to you talk and right. get through everything. So effectiveness meaning them getting better? or So, well, so that's a, that's a great question. So in this field, you know, you talk about, your, so you're a substance abuse counselor. So now I'm, a, I'm at a point where I'm, I'm running hospitals that, house substance abuse counselors and, and, and patients. So, you know, people would say, oh, how do you, you know, how do you do it? You know, most of the, most people go out and relapse, you know, and that's, you know, that's a, that's a challenge in, in mental health and substance abuse. Um, it's a lifelong challenge for myself too. You know I mean? It, it, you know, there's, I still encounter challenges. It is a lifelong challenge uh, when you're dealing with mental health, you're dealing with substance abuse. So, how do you, what's that finite number or what's that, how do you really know you're being successful with the patient? And I, I, in the beginning, people were relapsing and going out and I'm like, man, what am I doing wrong? Yeah, right. You know, what, it, what, it, you know, and I realized and I, I quickly shifted and I had a professor kind of pull me aside and talk to me about this and said, you know, you can never measure your success on someone else's outcome. Mm -hmm. right. You know what I mean? So their outcome in their life is, it's their sobriety. So if they. They may not be ready. Right, they might not they be might ready, not be at the or point where you know, you're at. in their journey, or there could be something that needs to be added to their treatment plan, or something you know that you know meets them at the time of when their transformation is ready to happen. And, and I think you know, I realize I can't continue to measure my success whether or not the other person um, is getting better. Which sounds like you know you're kind of you know you're 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 removing accountability, but you almost have to in this because you can you can become. Um, you know, you can become depressed with, with looking at what's going on in figures. I mean, people, people leave treatment and you get a call a week later that they've over you know, overdosed right. and died. Well, that's, that's so like the right most dangerous there, thing. Right. So if you, if you're like, I failed this person and you know, you can't, you're then not present for your other patients, you know, so you right. really need to learn to compartmentalize it and say, all right, you know, you know, over here, I'm feeling the sadness and sorrow and the tragedy of this loss but I still have an opportunity over here and I need to give this person my best and, 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 you know, be effective with them. So at that point I realized, you know, that the only thing I could really measure myself is if, do I give every patient that comes across me every day, the, the best opportunity to change, you know, do I create an environment in which a person has the best opportunity to change? And that is, I shifted to that mentality and that's where I got more into administrative roles was, all right, I'm, I became more, more, you know, focused on the environment of care, the therapeutic environment within my hospital. And, and am I giving that person the best chance to transform their life and create change? Am I meeting them where they are? You know, and that's, you know, that really helped me and it helped me be better and be more effective rather than just so bogged down with, with hearing about, um, the tragedy. We went through a point. We went through a point in 2011, 2012, 2013, where opiates was, was you know, it was pretty bad. Yeah, it was I really you know the the opiate 
you know, the pills that were flooding the streets, you know, the Oxycontin and things like that. Um, it was really, uh, you know, it was, it was hitting demographics that it really had never, not want to say never, but weren't at that time hitting, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you know, the, the regular high schools, you know, uh, suburban areas where people yeah. were really being truly affected. Um, then they cleaned up the pills and they created this system to clean up the pills. And then the people that were addicted to pills moved over to, to heroin mm-hmm. um, because of yeah, the you availability. Could get the prescriptions and what it was, was available cheaper. at that yeah. point. It was avail- It was cheaper and it was more available. At that point, you know, there was things popping up across the state, task force, you know, a lot of things popping up because it became a really big political issue because everyone was being affected by it. So then politicians, you know, prosecutors, you know, police officers were being affected. Um, really yeah. being affected. Yeah, and, they they, saw. you know, now you saw, all right, it became a huge political issue. So, um, you know, across the state, you know, these task forces and things popped up. And so during that time, you know, back to my, or during that time, the overdose rate was, was extremely high, you know, so people did start leaving the field. People started, I, I, I almost like, I can't, I can't do it anymore. I can't deal with the, the tragedy or, or the sadness. It's almost too much and it's affecting me in my personal life. Um, so you did have to find a way to, to become effective in what you were doing stay the course and not become so, um, you know, overwhelmed by the tragedy of what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to satisfaction of results, you know? Yes. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. it can hit on anyone after a while. That's why, like, well, I gain gonna, weight. I don't see enough results yeah. if I go to the right. gym. So. Exactly. Well, you're going to have wins and losses. It's just yeah. hanging in there and knowing yeah. that, you know, your goal, like you said, when you got into it, it seems like this is it. Like, yeah. I found it. I'm going to take this as far as I can. And you've definitely taken, yeah. taken it a far away. But, I mean... There's no quit now, right? No, this is, you know, you find your why, you know what I mean? So that was my why, um, you know, in in my life and why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm a, you know, Simon Sinek, you know, kind of groupie where, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, my why is, is helping people transform their lives. I mean, I, you know, you look at, it's the, it's the reach, you know I mean? It's, it's, it's serving people and the reach that you can have and helping a person through addiction, through mental health and how it affects them, but not only them, but all the roles that they fill. So, you know, children, you know, if I'm, if I'm working with a person, you know, I'm working with a male, they become a better father, a better son, a better brother, and the reach that that has on people. Um, and you see it, and you see family members come and thank you. You know, hey, you know what you did with so-and-so is, is amazing. You know, and, and when you realize the impact you have on it, you know, on people and, and society as a whole, you know, it's, it's, it's worth it. Absolutely. It's worth it, even you're, through the challenges. You're changing families, yeah. you know. Yeah, so it's, it's those are mothers it. and fathers yeah. and brothers and sisters and daughters. So, you know, making yeah. families whole is, is, is so important yeah, because I know absolutely. there's a lot of worry and concern. I mean, I deal with it, dealt with it probably, I don't know, this is maybe seven years within my own family and different friends and stuff. But I know the amount of stress it's, you know, put on my parents, um, you know, dealing with two sisters that went through it. One went through recovery. She went in real quick. She's like 180. Yeah. completely different yeah you know went off she was like okay yeah i gotta go get help the other one's been battling for, right. for a long time and it's been an up and down and it's been a fight and it, yeah. it's it's it takes tolls you know on the family yeah. because unfortunately like that's kind of what you talk about you know it's yeah it's it's well it, uh, you know the way it manifests itself are in ways that are not very becoming you know so so there's things that you know and that's what creates the stigma where you know 
a person, you know, I've been in this long enough and gone through enough where I, I truly understand the disease model. Uh, and I, I, I firmly believe it. You know, I mean, it is it is a disease. It is something that um, they used to separate it out years ago, where it was mental health was over here and addiction was over here. It's all in mm-hmm. one. Everything yeah. has progressed where now it's one. And you yeah. need to treat it holistically as one. And, yeah. uh, oh, sorry. and so, you know, from a treatment model and just from, you know, a, an understanding of it, you do realize that it it's a disease and it's something that uh, it's not this moral failing, you know, and there's, you know, there's, there's a, Huge, big debate on that, yeah. um, and that's something that that people will probably continue to debate and say, "Well, people choose to do it," and you know, you know, it's it's there is you know there are small choices in it, but there are things that uh, happen that almost predetermine that a person is going to make that choice. Right. Um, you know, I mean, when a person, you know, one person has um, a chemical imbalance, you could even just say, let's just make it as simple as smoking. You know, a chemical imbalance that. Um, you know, when a, one person has a cigarette, it doesn't have the same effect on another person who has a cigarette who might have, let's say, you know, less dopamine in their brain or have a deficiency in dopamine. So the spike that that nicotine gives gives them a feeling that the other person never had. Mm-hmm. Um, Man, they're they're going to be more drawn to do that again. And right. that's what creates the different things. So that's the, the predisposition and the disease model to addiction where, you know, you're going to, people are going to be more inclined to make those choices determine you know determination and stuff like that where it's a mental trigger yeah. so it could be like you said the dopamine versus this is disgusting right like me i was like why right. i don't know why people do this right. so right. the so the rush that the one person had in the dopamine overweighs the the you know the fact that it's disgusting right. or they feel that it's disgusting it's dirty yeah right you know what i mean so then the gain for them was worse was better than the other person's gain totally. which is going to make that per- person you know more prone to then repeat that behavior and, it, and that's the part where that that's where the, the you know biology absolutely plays a role you know in it and that's where the disease model can then be valid and and the other tough challenge which is tough for your position mm-hmm. is not only eliminating you know and helping them what the, the addiction is mm-hmm. and teaching them but it's like where are they going to they gotta if they're hanging out with these people yeah. that are also yeah. addicted don't want to seek help mm-hmm. you know yeah. that are constantly in their life it's like you got to remove yourself from that and that's, and that's the big. Yeah. That's the other big challenge is that like they might be willing to seek help, but they're going back into those situations. That's that's why the rehab is so important. Right. You got to yeah. separate yourself, pull yourself out. I mean, I've had friends that have completely relocated to disconnect, mm-hmm. completely off social media. You know, if you were in their world before, reco- you know, recovery, yeah. you're not going to get in touch with that. Well, you're, you're you're trying to eliminate triggered responses. So sure. if you're hanging out with the same people that you always right. use with and stuff like that, yeah, I mean, you're gonna your body and your creature mind is habit. gonna have a, a it's a creature of habits. You're yeah. gonna have a triggered response to certain things. Right. And plus, there is you know there is a part of it you know, and I don't want to say there's a choice in it. The choice comes into play is when I when I'm I choose to address this. You know, there's things that that's where the choice comes in. So. And that's where, you know, you talk about motivation, motivation for treatment, motivation for change, and which is a big part of what we do is tapping into a person's motivation for change. And each person's motivation may be different. And the challenge as a therapist is to extract what that person's motivation is. And that's the client-centered treatment is people's motivations might be different. They might need medication. That's where the biology comes in. You, you know, there's, there's medication that comes along with it. There's things like that, medication-assisted treatment. But you need to tap into one, that person and, and find what their, what their motivation is. And when you're around other people that aren't as motivated, you know, 
if you, you know, listen, if you hang out with people who are on a diet and you hang out with people that go to the gym every day, there's, you're, you're going to be more inclined to probably pass that ice cream. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you're, uh, if you're with people who are eating ice cream all day long, you might, probably, oh, yeah, you, might jump in. you might consider, oh, you know what? <laughs> Vanilla. Know, ice cream sounds great. You know, so, <laughs> but, you know, if you're, you're, you know, you keep yourself exposed to things that are going to, you know, keep you motivated. And, and keep you on the right path. So, so what about the people that have, I mean, we, we talk about finding success. So you have yeah. people that hit these adversities mm-hmm. and they, they go through it, that they're, you know, clean for however long. Do you see just a success coming through career path or what, what they've gone through and now they're uh, almost hardened and calloused, you know, at this point. So like we have someone, for instance, that we know that, that works with us that went through the same struggles yep. and she's the most positive and mm. optimistic person that we know. And right. she sees success and she visions it and she does amazingly well and she's one of our best agents mm-hmm. producers yeah. so curious of what you think going forward in career path and how that affects them so their past struggles past and how they capture yeah. that movement so I, I think you know i think when you go through how you can translate it you know right. what i mean right. so so it was easier for me because i was translating it into the actual field that helped me you know right. what i mean right. so it was, it was it was omnipresent it was true, there at true, all times true. So I think you know when you when you go into other things, you know you, you um, it can, it's number one, it's a humbling experience. Mm. You know what I mean? So it, it, it is a humbling experience, and it's you become in order to truly change, you have to become vulnerable. Right. Um, you have to bring yourself to a place of vulnerability, and it's a lesson in in being humble and being vulnerable. And you know when you get to that place, you then have a different gratitude for things that are, that are in your life um, or things that you almost lost, things that you did lose, uh, things that you want to recapture. So when you become to that place, you can, when you are humble and vulnerable and honest with yourself, you want those things back in your life. And, you know, a lot of times, if you really, you know, think about it, a lot of those things were there with the person. You know what I mean? You want to talk about reaching full potential. So, those things, you know, and that's, you know, the, the, the story you're talking about is why this is worth it, you know, because you see a person in a potential and being the best version of themselves. Right. If they just either remove or treat this one thing that's going on, if they become vulnerable and humble enough to treat it and address it, you then can extract who this person really is. And those are the, those are the stories that you see and you're like, wow, you never could have imagined right. this. I saw this person doing this and then I see this there. And... and that's what makes rehabs. That's what makes therapy. That's yep. what makes it all worth it is when you see those things. And those are rare cases. I mean, because they are, you know, you know, a lot of people have other struggles that don't have the support maybe that are there for them at during that time um, or didn't have the person that was there to help maybe pick them up or help them or right. give them a break or different things. So there are a lot of things that have to go right in everything and in, in your recovery and mental health and, and, and any success in life. There's, moments in your life that have to happen the breaks have to happen there's always variables there's always you you never control what happens after they leave so they have to maybe find the right job or be around the right people or there's so many things that can go right but then also go wrong but what you see in you know what you see in people are the things that were always there that that were just stifled by Mm. this other issue that was going on um, and once you can remove and treat that one issue, the what true the, spirit comes. The out. true spirit and the potential of this person. Um, and I think you know, you know, you talk about gratitude. So when you're when you're in a place where you're just completely beaten down mentally and physically, and you 
you fight your way out of it. You you go you you gain a greater appreciation, right. um, having been there, and you you know you know what's really good then. You know what I mean. So uh, when things are really good in your life, you're able to pause and say, "This is really good." Now sometimes you forget those things, and, th- and hiccups happen, and and you know you you fall off the path, and then you get back to the baseline. You know, and, and that's the the you know what makes recovery a lifelong thing. Um, and if you don't realize that, it'll remind you. <laughs> and it will humble humble you again, uh, and and remind you pretty quickly that that you know it can you know fl- it can come back and it can things you know things can happen, um, but you know I think you know what what makes it you know the it's the it's the gratitude that a person uh, is able to tap into you know well, in every area of their life and that's where you talk about the, the positivity and, and right right optimism right. i mean the gratitude attitude i remember there's a in kindergarten my daughter would sing that song and, had, and it was really uplifting just going to the the, the court watching everyone they sing it all the kids were singing it and the, even the parents were singing that at, at a certain point but it, it creates humility yep. and it actually lends to some of the books we were talking about you were talking about like leaders eat last or that servant yeah. leadership type yes. of attitude where you appreciate where you are and, you know, as a leader, you shouldn't be, we talked about this last week, you shouldn't be the one directing people to push or pull. Right. You, you should, should be, be the one a, pulling should, at the front. You should be, so, you should right. be on there. I, I'd them. love to hear your thoughts on that and leadership principles. and. Yeah, so I, that's something, another one of my obsessions. You know, I, I, I started I started moving into, so in social work and what I do, it's it's broken into, and, and other things, you know, it's, it's micro, meso, and macro. So micro level social work and therapy is the one-on-one relationship with the patient. Mezzo is with, you know, a, a group, maybe that group therapy, 12, um, you're working within a small, you know, like you were talking facility, about false, you know, small facility. That's the mezzo. Macro is systems. So I, I quickly, over time, you know, I realized, I mean, there, there's, I have a license to be a therapist and, and, and have people back to back, seven patients back to back. I don't think I'm, I'm good at that. I don't think that's where I'm most effective. And I, I learned that I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm more of, a, I have a different energy. I like to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm mobile. I like to move around, you know, sitting for this hour is the longest I sit. <laughs> um, that's just who I am. And you, you know, learn who you are and learn yeah. where you can be most effective. So I, I realized that. And I said, I, I like getting into the administration and building systems and leading systems. And that's where, so leadership came in. And at first, so I was, um, I was I was running like a detox department. Um, this is up at, at New Hope, and I was running detox, and then I moved into um, an administrative role of, over you know d- different parts of the, of the of the hospital I was at, and I was not getting you know the desired effect, and I was like, oh no, you know I, maybe I'm not as good at this as I thought, you know I'm, I you know I thought my ideas were good, you know, and then you realize that's not what it's about. Yeah. It's not about just your ideas. It's about it's about culture. It's about building a culture. It's about messaging, and it's about motivating staff um, to to tap into their own why, um, and then be part of a bigger system. And that takes an entirely different skills than just working one on one with a with a patient. So then I I said, all right, I need to shift this. How do I you know create the best environment for my patient? I then shifted my mind. How do I create the best environment for my counselors? How do I, and that's where servant leadership came in, you know, so and that's, and that's where you, you understand the principles of servant leadership. And like you said, it's not, um, it's not being a leader and having your, your workers work for you 
and produce for you. That's right. not how it works. Right. It's the opposite way. Because exactly. that won't happen. Because then you'll invalidate them. It creates a poor culture where they don't feel uh, supported. Appreciated. Appreciated. Yeah. And then that just becomes a cancer. You know, so the servant leadership is flipping it around. It's putting them on the pedestal and saying, all right, how do I serve them? Mm-hmm. How do I, as a leader serve my staff and 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 you serve them by by validating their efforts you serve them by giving them resources um giving them information all the tools to best do their job and if you do that you know and 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 especially in this in this you know the work population now you know we're getting we're getting a little on the older side here so you i'm hiring a lot of people that are younger than me and what they value is very different than even 20 years ago, what we valued. Right, you know, we right. valued a salary, different things, you know, status, all those. They, they don't care about that. Mm-hmm. They, care about, they care about their, their passion, you know, why they're doing what they're doing. They want to feel secure in their job. Um, it's a very different motivation for the younger, you know, the younger employee. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have, to, you have to adapt and you have to learn that and, and create an environment that, that is more conducive for them. Um, and, you do, and like I said, you do that by taking yourself off this... Leadership is a behavior. It's not a title. Yeah. You know what I mean? So really understanding, you know, you can call yourself a leader, but if no one's following you, right. you're, right. you're not leading. You know what I mean? So you can, you know, it's just a position at that point. Right. Um, and and you're, you're ostracizing yourself from everyone else. And you can, and then that's when that happens. You, you're not getting the desired effect. I think that's where um, poor traits come out in leaders because you're not getting what you want. So then you start saying, Listen, I'm your boss. This is what you have to do. And once you say that statement, you're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're done. You, you, I mean, you might get them to do that for that day, but you've lost them. Yep. So you want to be able to model. You want to be able to, for me, I, it's, it's on the floor, um, treating every employee the same and, and being on the floor, treating the patients, understanding customer service, what that really means to be customer focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, that has changed in my field a great deal. Um, you know, 20 years ago, the attitude was, you're lucky to be here and you're lucky to get my help. Right, right. Um, and that was just, a, you know, I've, I've worked in places like that. And I was like, what, what is that's Well, that's my question, too. Like, people off. In, di- <laughs> yeah. right. in different facilities, you know, do you have certain attitudes in, in certain yeah. facilities versus private, for instance? And, you know, having that customer mindset where... You know, you're treating them with respect, and and, right. and they're in a situation where maybe some people don't treat them with the respect, and you're yeah. coming with the customer service oriented. Right. Mindset. So, so exactly. So when you, and and you know, not to sugarcoat it, when people, in what I do, when they're at their lowest, you know, they're they're not the best version of themselves. Right, right. You know what I mean? So so they're they're hurt, they're in pain, they're lashing out. Um, you know, so you, for instance, I you know I, I ran a detox at, at one. At one point, it was a 20-bed detox, people coming in who are physically ill, yeah. you know, who are detoxing and withdrawing from, from drugs, um, which is just a, a, an awful place. And, you know, you look at hierarchy of needs, you know, physical is, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yep. And, and it, you look at the, the physical being of a person uh, is, is the first thing you need to take care of. So you need to take care of that person and make them comfortable. Um, so uh, there were some places I worked and like you said, that the customers would come in and we would say, you know, well, you need, you're here now, you need to abide by our rules uh, if you want our help. And I just, that, that a lot of people don't want the help. No no one wants to abide by rules. (laughs) So, so I always felt, you know, so, and, and, and like I said, we were, you know, I were seeing people that were being, 
you know, not, I don't want to say thrown out of treatment, but they were asked to leave because of behavior issues or different things, or, they, you know, they tried to steal a medication off a, a counter when no one was looking. And they're like, well, they need, they need to go. And I said, well, we, you know, we're, we're throwing a person out for the exact reason they're here. Mm-hmm. You know, this, right. that's why they're here. Getting here is the right. biggest step. Right. So, so, you know, the, the best time to help a person is now, no matter what, when they're in front of you. So I, um, you know, I had to help, you know, push a culture change of, of customer service focused, you know, compared to, you know, this is our building and we, patients need to fall in line. You know right. what I mean? So they need to fall in line of our rehab right. because it makes our job easier, you know, and, 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 I said that we need to completely flip that around, and and we need to change ourselves to the customer. They don't need to change themselves to us. So how you know how do you do that? You you, you have to listen better. You have to you know you don't have not that you don't have rules, but you, your rules don't supersede the, you know the, the relationship or the rapport that you're building with your patient. Um, you know especially if you you know if later on you want to help this person change, if they don't feel like you if there's there's no rapport, they don't feel like you really care. They're, they're not going to take any advice you have. Even if it's great advice, they're not going to listen to it because at that point, they, you've, you've broken that alliance with them and they're, they feel you know, that, you're, that their best interest isn't in your mind. Yeah. Um, and that, and that it, you know, sometimes happens. You know? Sometimes it, you know, they'll, the language could be strong. You, know? <laughs> you walk into well, you a... You walk the into same a, language. Yeah, you walk, into a, you walk into a room and uh, you, know, you need to take a patient's vitals and they turn yeah. and tell you where you can go. <laughs> and uh, you know, human nature is, well, then I'm not helping you. you know? yeah. Or if you understand, you know, listen, this person's really sick. And, and you know, I've, had, I've had, listen, I've had someone come in and the first day completely tell me off. And I just, I just sit there and take it. And say, I... I Listen, I understand you're in pain right now. I understand you're hurting. You know, is there any way I can help you? And then, it, you know, they tell you yeah. to where you can go. Right. Um, and then you see them start feeling better. And, you know, I'll be in my office and you see that they'll come up. They feel bad. Now, right? <laughs> I, I'm really sorry about how I talked to you that first day. And I just said, I know, you know, it's, it's not a problem. Good. You know what I mean? And, and, and you know, at, where someone else might be like, oh, you can't talk to me like that. You need to leave. Um, yeah, and so I would, you know, I would take that. And I remember, you know, so you're, you're in a leadership position and, and, you know, a patient would, would sit there and literally curse you off and all the staff would be like, Oh, what's he going to do? I would do nothing. And they couldn't understand it. And then later you would see that person, that patient get better. And later on that patient would, and by the time they're leaving, the patient won't leave my office. I'm like, you gotta go, you gotta get out of here. You gotta go to group. All they, you know, and they were like, well, how they're did trying that to take happen? the pain and, I, and how did I, turn it around. Like, That's all it is. I, I didn't do anything. Yeah, I, just I just allowed t- the process to happen. Yeah. I just never took it personal. Right. I never took it personal what they were doing or what they said to me. And I, I gave that person the opportunity to change. And, and sometimes that's all they want. And mm-hmm. then they appreciate you so much for it. Because you, you didn't throw them out. And they were like, you know, I can't, believe, I need, I can't yeah. believe you didn't throw me out. And I was like, why would I throw you out? This is where you needed to be. Sometimes you got to you know? carry that burden, yeah. right? Oh, so yeah, like, yeah. I'll, I mean, I'll listen, take your darts and your arrows I mean, and go ahead, like, fire Whoa. away. You know, like, you know, some of the things that were said to me, and I was like, wow, I'd walk back to my office. <laughs> That's a good one. I said, wow. I, said, I, I don't you got think me good, I've right? ever been called that. You know? and, uh, <laughs> good one. But, you know, really, inevitably, they would be back and, and they would, and we would laugh about it. You know what I mean? And, right. and, and so you got to have some thick skin. You got to be able to, to understand that and see the bigger picture. And I think that's, that's part of leadership is, is seeing the bigger picture, the messaging, understanding the responsibility that you have, not only to your customer, but to, you know, your staff, 
you know, you take care of your staff, and if your staff feels great, they will have much more of an impact on the customer than you alone will ever have. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Right. So, so you think that you can take it all on yourself, and I, you know, I'm only there eight hours a day, you know, ish, you know, <laughs> and uh, and uh, you know, they're there 24 hours, you know, the staff. So, if you really get buy-in, true buy-in, where they understand, um, then okay. that's going to have a far greater impact than you will ever have alone. So that that's real leadership is 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 understanding the messaging, understanding that you serve your staff and then your staff serves the customers. Um, you know, and if you build that system, people will be able to fall in. And it's a culture that you set from the beginning. And I've had, you know, in, in, my, in my own personal growth in my career, I've had opportunities to, to start facilities from scratch. I'm doing one right now. That's a 90-bed facility that I have to hire 100 staff members. So I have to onboard 100 staff members before patients even get there and wow. what a great opportunity that is to set a Stuff set a culture set yeah. right and set a culture and, and really set that messaging um what a huge responsibility that that is to do um but i i like that and i you know i like building that that culture and that's what i'm really as the place opens you know i give you know people that work under uh, whether it's under me or with me you know i give them the autonomy to do, do their jobs they've been trained uh, you know hire really good people and allow them to do their jobs you know get out of their way and when they want your support they'll let you know and then you provide it but hire really good people and let them do their jobs um and then you i just focus on then the, the culture and then obvious responsibilities budget you know you know i have to do the, the pnl I mean, it's the things that, yeah you know <laughs> you have to, those damn numbers too. right you have to you know you you know you know you have to you know i'm all i'm very much data and i don't want to say driven because there's too many variables to be only data driven but that informed so take data as part of your information that you then approach a, a problem so i collect information on everything you know length of stay for patients you know satisfaction from patients satisfaction in the food you know I, I measure my food service director based on how the patients feel everything is is measured um and then you have to use that information to be innovative you know what i mean and i think you know you know, innovation is, is another part of leadership that's important. I think um, this is how we do it, and this is how we've always done it, is the, is the worst culture you could possibly have. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, even if it is working, you have to adapt and, and, and move forward. Um, how you've always done something, you know, can be good, you know, in some way, but a lot of times it, I think it breeds more. Um, complacency. Yeah, complacency. It breeds, you know, it, it, you know you don't, you're not really flexible. When you do that, you know, because you, you're just married to one way of doing it. Um, and when you're dealing with human beings, there can't be one way of anything. No. Yeah. Anything. You know what I mean? That you, you know, that, that is that you do. So well, you always you. have to be listening, eliciting feedback, eliciting data, and then responding to that data with innovation. Yeah. That's but, big in healthcare. You know, I mean, especially because, you know, think, yeah. everything is changing all the time, you know, in healthcare. So, um, and the one big thing that, you know, when you run a hospital, the behavioral health hospital, people are choosing to be there. You know, a lot of times you, you show up in an emergency room, you didn't really have a choice. You had to go there. You know what I mean? So you go to the local emergency room and your, your population is fed by, by proxy. Um, what I do is this choice. There's rehabs popping up all over. So people have to then choose to come to where you are. Um, and then that's when reputation is important. And, and the, you know, what people then go back out and say about your services. Um, so, you know, that's where you know, the customer yeah. focus comes in because people do have a choice to stay in my hospital. Yeah. 
Um, they can stand up and leave at any point. Not a lockdown facility. They're not mandated. Uh, they could say, I'm done. I'm done. I don't want to be here anymore. And that, when that, and that does happen. And then you have to look at that and say how, see how that happened. Where was the break? Where did we lose the person? You know, where did, um, where did they disengage from, from the goals that we had, you know, set together? The old George Costanza, it's not you, it's me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but you want yeah, I was going to say, uh, you mentioned, you know, obviously this influential coach in yeah. high school, and you touched on it briefly mm-hmm. about his Christian faith. And I'm wondering yeah. if, like, obviously – a lot of people have these different crutches, you know, sure. in life. You, you know, sports is one of them. Did you find your faith and yeah. how you worked with these people was a big impact? And Absolutely. It, and, I, you know, I, I owe a lot of that to this, this gentleman sitting across the table. Uh, at, at one of my times, you know, where I was, you know, down and kind of searching right in that 24, 25 range, you know, someone picked me up and said, get in the car. We're, we're going somewhere. And, he, and took me to church. Um, and I, you know... I was able to, at that point, you know, tap into something completely different within. You know, what I mean, something that that's you know higher than than your day to day purposes, um, but it ta- has a role in everything. I mean, servant leadership has, you know, whether they want to admit it, the Christian principles. Serve and be served all over it. You know, what I mean, so a lot of things have principles that are, that that build it. Um, and you realize, for me, you know, Christianity played a big part in that as well. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's understanding um, the, a higher purpose, you know, a higher purpose of why you're here, um, you know. And, and, you know, even at times when in struggle to lean on something, um, it wasn't a big part of my life growing up, you know, in, in my family. So it was something that um, was a, you know, kind of an adventure that I took on my own and my own exploration um, and, and which was, I think, you know, it was something I was seeking, you know what I mean? So it had a different purpose and meaning to me. I went to CCD as a younger kid, but they kindly asked me to leave. You know, so, <laughs> um, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, by third grade, that was over. Um, and, uh, so forced you know, into uh, CCD classes and stuff like that. You know, I don't know if that's the best way. <laughs> I think when a person seeks something, you know I mean? It's going right. to have a different, you know, a different meaning to them. Um, so it was something that, uh, you know, and it's funny, you know, Todd Durkin at that time, I wasn't seeking it, but I, you know, later, I, I mean, I remember he used to take me out cause I would get rides home for after practice and stuff. So a lot of times it was him and he would take me to like get ice cream or something. They were trying to put weight on me. What I really <laughs> think they were doing. Yeah, I, I was really skinny at that point. And, um, but he would it really, he was just sitting and talking with me and, and what he was talking about were, were very much Christian based values and different things that he was talking about. And I remember yeah. just sitting there eating my ice cream and not understanding. Yeah, you planted but the later, seed though, right? But later, yeah. you know what I mean? But later on being like, oh, wow, you know, I, I remember. It was in there. It was there. It was there. And it was different things that were being said to me and messaging, you know, um, from people of Christian faith that you didn't, you know, maybe you didn't realize later, but later on when I became uh, more educated in the Christian faith, I was able to look back and say, wow, you know, that's, and then, you know, at that point is where I realized, you know, you really put together maybe why those people were in your life at those times. Mm-hmm. And that then has a greater meaning. Right? Set your moral compass kind yeah. of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, listen, you know, and all of that, you know, you know, and sometimes you get off compass, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> and things happen. And, uh, but, you know, you, you, 
it is it is another baseline. You know, you talk about you know Christianity as a, as another baseline. Well, just the fact that you seeked it out, like it's almost like the tale of your two school journeys. You know, you yeah, one where you just went for football and grades maybe weren't what yes. where they needed to yeah. be. Second time around, you had purpose. You went yeah. there for a reason, and even you even said that you're doing the groups and you learn more in like a few weeks just reading your own yeah. on your own in books. Yeah. That you you would learn three years into college or so. Yeah, so, you know, again, it's the passion, finding the passion. So even talking to kids nowadays, how do you expect an eighteen year old to come out of high school and know exactly what they want to do in life? It's like find your passion, find what you right. what you love in life, and that's going to bring you a lot further. Yeah, and I think you know, socially, you know, I, I think there's a lot better way to learn social lessons than paying sixty grand a year. Mm. Um, you know, yeah. to go to some of these schools now, you know, it's yeah. it's inc- it's incredible, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I can only speak for my own, you know, journey. If if a kid does have their purpose at eighteen, nineteen, then then God bless oh, them. That's rare. God, you know, I mean, that's amazing. You know, yeah. I mean, it not. I don't want to say it can't happen. You know, that wasn't my journey. You know, yeah, right. it certainly wasn't my journey. But it was, uh, you know, later on, like you said, you know, when you, when you yeah. become really passionate about something. So I, I think that's I think that's probably a good barometer for what you know should a kid go and if it did, if you as a parent see that passion mm-hmm. and that laser focus clarity in a mission at that age, then sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, foster that, you know, push that forward. Yeah, what are you learning about? What are you listening to? Right. But if you talk to your kid and, you know, and, the, and you're like, what do you want to do? And they can't, you know, they're yeah. just looking at their right. phone and look, I don't know. Yeah. I want to play robots. <laughs> I, you don't I, want I, to force spend, I might not invest yeah. the money at that point for a person to go out, you, <laughs> right. know, it, 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 you know. So I think as a parent, you got to help, you know, gauge that and, and know when is, when do I push the pedal and when do I put this resource behind right. my child, you know, and, and, Will it be fruitful? Yeah. You know, and, and not just because the social norm is to go to college at, you know, as soon as you leave school, go to college. Yeah. Um, and I think college is important. I, you know, a lot of people, you know, say, well, college isn't important anymore. You can learn, you can, you can do things in other ways. And which is true. I mean, there are business ventures you can go out and kind of people have done it without college. But I mean, what I did, I couldn't, you know, you couldn't possibly right, do it right, without. Right. You just need certain degrees. The education. Yeah. Right. Well, not only the, 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 you know, the degrees, but the, the ability, I mean, the knowledge, it's the knowledge of, of learning or learning to know what you didn't know, you know, or you, what you didn't even know you didn't know. Well, especially in your field, it could yeah. be harmful if you didn't know right. what you did. Right. And there's credibility to it. I mean, because exactly. You know, I mean, there is a patient, there's people, I mean, there's, there's positions popping up. There's these recovery peer specialists, you know, we, we touched on a, a, a little before we, we said, uh, there's people who go into this field because they're in recovery. And say, well, I, I could be a good counselor because I'm in recovery, uh, and that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Some of the worst counselors I know uh, are people in recovery. Um, some of the best counselors I know are people who are never in recovery, mm-hmm. and and vice versa. You know, I mean, there's some really great ones on both sides, but one is not a determinant for the other. Right. I think you know, I think being in recovery yourself is that passion, but that you need to go and get the education. You need to, um, and I probably didn't know that early on myself. Um, you know, realizing like I could be a counselor, I, I, I know this stuff, and then you know, going through all of it and be like, yeah, I really didn't know. <laughs> you know, and, I, and now, I, now I understand. You know, and, you know, you learn. You know, all right, there was a lot more that to it that I didn't realize. That really, um, the credibility to it really puts a stamp on. All right, this person understands the ethics and and, and understands the, the ability to put this service forward. So you know, it takes uh, it takes a lot of education to get there. <laughs> 
Cool. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of kids nowadays are starting. I'm seeing a, a trend towards going to community college for a few yeah. years, and I'm, I'm all for it. Figure mm-hmm. out what you want to do. Maybe you, something hits you and there's a trigger there. Right. You figure out what your, your lot in life is. I think the biggest thing for kids is not to go to college without having a plan. Right. Yeah. It's just like, I mean, I think it was so driven when we were growing up. It's like, you got to go. You got to go. Just go. Right. And, you know, and then, you know, when especially when I was going, I saw all these kids and they had like liberal arts degrees. They didn't even know what they wanted. It's like, right. so you're going to go 100 grand in debt for a liberal arts degree? And I think that's good. So I think at our time, even then, you yeah. know, I think well, there was a huge push during our time, too, with right. the expansion of federal loans and stuff like that, right, that yeah. every person deserves to go to college. And I think that mentality made a lot of people go who really weren't ready to go. Yeah. Right. So I think there was some and, and they took on all these loans. And I think the, the thought was, you know, a person would would get into a mission by osmosis. Let me put them with other kids who are in college. Let, let me get them with other kids who are looking for the future. Um, and it'll just come to them while they're there. So that was an assumption that, that they'll learn their purpose while they're there. I think over time, a lot of people left college with still not having that purpose. Yep. Yeah, right. Right. And like you said, having all that debt. So I think it's about, as a family, you have to allocate resources. You know what I mean? You have... You have funds for your kids to go to college. You have different things in place. So you're allocating a resource. I know for me, I, I will assess it. Well, does this person have that passion at this time? Is there right. something, you know, for my daughter or my son, is, is you know, is there something that that this will become, this is a good, a good allocation of resources, right. cost benefit, right. you know, looking at that and treating it that way. Um, but you got to look at it. There's a lot, you know, there was a generation where first kids were going to college. So there was such a push even by parents for their kids to go to college because it, it was a reward for them. Yeah. My kids yeah. in college. I have four right. kids yeah. in college. They it's, didn't it's go. a stamp on me being a parent. My right. kids in college. And I they, succeeded. You know, and then they, there. they left with 120 grand and the right. parents looked at them and said, Well, that's that's a yeah, good yeah, luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my goal was to get and you to college. Exactly. You know, my got my I did yeah. my job, yeah. I got you to that's college. <laughs> you know, and uh, but I think that was the, that was just telling of the times and people, you know, um, Wanting to move forward, wanting their kids to go to college, to give, you know, ascending families, you know, have right, your, you right. know, have your kids go to college. If you didn't go to college, have your kids go to college and, and keep your family line ascending. And I think that's the overall goal of every family. You know? Very cool. Any uh, parting shots, I guess, or tips, I guess, or is there like a moment or no, like, I, I mean, I, you know, you, I would, a lot. you know, I, if I had any public service announcement, you know, <laughs> so in a lot of what I, what I talked about, um, you know, we, we didn't talk, you know, we touched on it a little bit is the stigma that goes with mental health and uh, addiction. And even the last, I've been doing this 15, 16 years now, I've seen it, I've seen it, there's been such progress and growth. You know, you look at um, people being vulnerable enough to say that they have, you know, struggles with mental health and, you know, which I, like I said, I have and, and uh, you know, depression, different things that still, you know, never went away, never go away, addiction problems that don't go away, you know, but the stigma over time has been lessened, but it's still there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still very much there um, of a person being weak because they have an addiction, uh, being weak because of their mental health. Um, these are things that just um, really are barriers to that person coming forward and getting health and reaching mm-hmm. that potential. True. So, you know, if anything in a public service announcement, it's just keep, you know, keep that in mind that, you know, there are, there are things that, that can't always be controlled, can't always be helped, um, aren't always a choice. You know, things that, that, you know, you're learning so much in this field, the trauma, the, 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 the huge advances is the, is the trauma that people experience and trauma-informed care, that, that the trauma that people and kids experience growing up that have 
that make them predisposed for the for addiction and for these things. Um, you know, as this field is is growing, we're learning better ways to treat people with trauma. We're looking for better ways um, to help people change. Um, but we don't get that opportunity to do that if a person doesn't come into treatment because they're considered weak for coming into treatment. Right. Um, and you know, so I, I would just you know, as a public service announcement, keep trying to push that platform for the you know to remove the stigma of addiction, remove the stigma of mental health that. Um, you know, a person isn't weak. They just need some help and they need some, you know, sometimes it's, it's chemistry, sometimes it's trauma, whatever it may be, you know, it, it's okay to, to, to need help, to see a therapist, to seek treatment. You know, so that's all I would say. Good stuff, buddy. I mean, I just on a closing note of my own uh, personal level here, I've, to know you for as long as I have, mm-hmm. I guess since your freshman year, just to see the the Matt Mantone journey, my own trials and tribulations. Of <laughs> so um, it, it, I've seen your lowest and I've seen your highest and I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm, a pr- I'm very appreciative yeah, of what you've you. gone through and how hardened you've become and, and, and you're a great man. You're a pillar of society. You're charitable, all that stuff. I'm very proud of you. Thank so. you. I appreciate that. Coming okay. from Tommy Z, that means a lot. Yeah. Anyone who knows Tommy <laughs> Somewhat. would value that opinion. Good stuff, buddy. Thanks so, for coming. Yeah, on, thank brother. you guys. Yeah. Thanks for having Absolutely, me. Absolutely, man. And to find out more information, what's SouthJerseyRecovery.com, yep. right? Yep. So, right, my project right now um, is uh, it's called the Recovery Village. It's a joint venture with Cooper University Hospital, um, which is a, a great opportunity because Cooper University Hospital is a learning hospital. So, there is a lot of data. You know, I talk about a person who really loves data. There is they're collecting information all the time there to try and progress the field. Um, and we have a lot of doctors and APNs and psychiatrists who uh, will be coming through our facility and, you know, giving their services, but also learning at the same time. And what, that for me is the perfect place, the perfect opportunity. Um, so it's in Cherry Hill. It's uh, Advanced Recovery Systems is the parent company. Okay. Um, and they had a joint venture with, with Cooper University Hospital and then, um, the Recovery Village Cherry Hill was born from that. So it's a 90-bed hospital. Uh, it's it's detox beds. It's short-term residential beds. Um, it is outpatient. We're all going to be doing it within one facility. Um, the grounds uh, are incredible. So it's, it's, I mean, we have a full gym, basketball court, um, things that other places that I've worked at didn't have the opportunity to have. So I'm really grateful for that. Um, because we do have the resources to, to do that, and that is, that's a wonderful thing. Um, but it's, um, you know, you could have the greatest gym in this and that in the world, but, you know, if you don't have a culture that really helps a person, then they're, it's still, you know, they're not going to stay. Yeah. But I have, you know, you talk about as a leader, you know, you want to give your staff every opportunity to help someone. What, the company has given me every opportunity with the resources and the support to provide the greatest hospital. So for me, this is a, this is a culmination point for me where I feel like I have everything I need to, to put together the best rehab in the state. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping to do that. And first of many, right? First First of, yeah, first of many, you know, within the state and, and, and Northeast, uh, with this model, the the model that we're doing is a little different than some of the other models. Some of the other models are that 28 day, you know, that Minnesota model treatment. We, we have, uh, we have in, you know, detox all the way to outpatient where we can keep people from 90 to 180 days. Wow. Um, and that is, you know, and have the funding to do it. That's and, awesome. and that is uh, a unique opportunity to capture and to have exposure to a person that long. And 
I'm really excited to see, you know, I've seen great changes in the 28 days. I can't, you know, to see the changes that I'll see in 180 right in front of me. Um, you know, it, it, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to that. So awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for coming right, on. Good job, Maddie. Thank you. Yep. They can find you, you on uh, right. southjerseyrecovery.com. Yep. We need to get in touch with uh, Recovery Center. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody, um, again. And uh, make it a great day. Yeah. Make it a great day. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Finding Success Show. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes. Also, check us out at findingsuccesstv.com.